NBA Strayer. How are you going? Hang on. It is NBA Strayer. It's Tuesday, May 24th. It's going to be May. May the 24th be with you. Uh, <clears throat> I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer. Sometimes, for whomever wants to pay me that sweet, sweet folding stuff, I'm here. Larry Armour Studios. Uh, in shorts and a t-shirt. Melbourne's weather is bonkers. Anyway, we're here repping Strayer a bit. We're talking all things NBA conference playoffs, finals. And uh, tell you what, Heat Celtics blowout game four. So quick show today. <laughs> we've got the game wrap. Uh, we've got that's not an iPhone, mate. No mate, spot of the night. Better Lonzo Ballers. Yeah, Nas is the unpopular opinion of the day. Now back take house. We were serving up a flame grill take. And I'm going to do a bit of yelling about the scheduling. And when I say a little bit, I mean a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, we've got a Shane Hill shoot a shoot, shoot a shot, light him up award, and a preview and pick for tomorrow's game four of Mavs Warriors. And the Warriors finish up the sweep. And then we'll close out with the Jingles HR. All right, let's get into it. Episode 822 of NBA Australia. Let's go. This is Joe Ingles, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Uh, you better. Better watch out for the attack of, uh, oh, geez. The tiredness attack, if in Miami. Who knows what's going on? Let's get stuck into today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Australia with the daily whip around. That's right. So we had some injuries for Heat Celtics are announced today. Tyler Hero didn't make uh, the court dealing with his groin injury. Uh, but we did see Jimmy Butler return from his knee soreness. Kyle Lowry was out there. Struess and Vincent were all good to go. And on the Celtics side, we had no Marcus Smart with his ankle, which is one of those classic, yeah, you can go back in. You're running high on adrenaline. It hasn't swollen up yet. Uh, well, at least too bad. It's all strapped up. It fired up. And then the next day, it just balloons. Oh, jeez. So um, pretty interesting setup there. And I'll tell you what. Didn't seem to make much of a difference in that game. Right. For the rest of the news, before we get into uh, the game wrap, Tim Connolly, the president of the Denver Nuggets, is off to uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, being poached like a nice egg. Uh, <laughs> the Wolves are going to make him one of the highest paid executives in the NBA, which is pretty big. Basically, this is uh, a smart move by the Wolves, who have new ownership incoming. You might uh, remember that. A-Rod and Co., uh, but essentially, it seems like the real kicker here is that he's signing a five-year, $40 million-plus deal that includes ownership equity. So not only is he getting paid more than double what he was getting paid with the Nugs, which is crazy, uh, the equity component is pretty nuts because that's just fuck you money. It could make it hugely more lucrative just if you think about, oh, I own a percentage stake in the Wolves now. It doesn't matter how small that percentage is. Like, if they ever sell or if you decide to sell, that's only going to go the fuck up. So, great stuff there for Connolly. Kind of love it. And, uh, look, Denver apparently tried to go, right, Tim, we want you to stay and we'll turn you into one of the better paid executives. But everybody was like, hang on a second, are you going to give me a piece of the team or not? And they're like, no. And he went, right, fucking bye. <laughs> Which is very smart. So, great job by Tim Connolly. Way to go. He's uh, done a great job. And, I mean, for the Nuggets, it looks like they're just going to promote Calvin Booth. 
just basically is head of their basketball ops. And uh, everyone sort of thinks he's a pretty good dude anyway. But Connolly's done an amazing job with the Nugs. And it's kind of weird. Like, they've gone from Messiah Jerry, who then obviously bounced to the Raptors, to a really, really high-paying gig. And then Connolly has done the exact same thing. It just seems like they've got some fucking smart executives for Denver. Haven't won a title, though. Anyway, but good stuff. Other news, the Lakers coaching search Darvin Ham. That's the Bucks assistant. Looking like Debo. And uh, former Trailblazers coach Terry Stotts. They're uh, among the various candidates who have uh, reached the final round for the Lakers coaching job, which is pretty funny. And KG was not impressed. <laughs> He's like, man, what are these idiots doing? It's like, yes, that's right. Uh, KG thinks it's pretty funny. Um, and there was a great little rumor that's popping off. The team hasn't ruled out the possibility of uh, Doc Rivers becoming available, so... I did like uh, JJ Reddick saying on ESPN, though, that the Lakers head coach and job is not a good job. Ready? Wait for it. We got it. Oh, dude! Literally, when has coaching LeBron James been a good job? Because you get none of the credit, you get all the blame. Right? From day one, you're going to cop it. Uh, Ty Lue was like the only dude who could really stand up to him and go, right, LeBron, shut up. (laughs) And then the Lakers... Undercut him, trying to make him their coach, and uh, he went to the Clippers. But anyway, they've got uh, Kenny Atkinson, Darvin Ham. Terry Stotts is like the uh, finalist. I don't like any of those. I think maybe Darvin Ham can come and kick some heads. But Terry Stotts, eh. Kenny Atkinson, I love him, but in Charlotte or Sacramento, but they <laughs> went and hired Mike Brown, so I just can't see that. So anyway, uh, KG then, yeah, had like a great IG story. Man, the Lakers serious. They're not serious about trying to better the situation with that list of coaches. Fuck out of here. They serious? Nah, they're not serious. They serious? <laughs> KG. <laughs> Never change. And then last little bits of news. Uh, Marcus Smart won the NBA's Hustle Award. Called the Biggie Award. Uh, that's the player for that they, you know, award the Hustle Award to for the stuff outside of the box score, right? It's tracking data stuff so it's like deflections it's box outs it's all the little things that you don't get a one and zero in your espn box score or nba.com box score and marcus smart got it which checks out because he's very hustly and uh one thing i forgot to mention on yesterday's show is the old defensive teams i did do a post about it on the weekend with aussie matty t actually making it on the second team i had him on my first team uh but the weird thing is you might throw your minds back so when uh, we did the NBA Australia Awards at the end of the season, uh, I think I named nine of the all-defensive players. I think I've got four of the first team right and four of the second team right. The only difference I had is I, I had Matty T on my first team. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. was on the first team instead. I didn't have Jaron Jackson Jr. because uh, I had Fred Van Vliet on the second team. I thought that his impact defensively on that Raptors team whenever he was playing and healthy was fucking immense. Uh, but either way, so Marcus Smart, He's on the first team. Defensive player of the year. Checks out. Michael Bridges. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Triple J and Rudy Gobert. Staffel Tower on the first team. That's the exact same as mine, apart from I had Matty T, not JJJ. And in the second team, Drew Holiday. Matty T. Uh, Time Lord. Bam. And Draymond. So that's the exact same as mine, apart from I had Fred Van Vliet in there and Matty T on the first team. So I'm just saying. Just saying. I nailed it for the most part. And yeah, I should have Triple J instead of Fred Van Vliet. But uh, I really, really enjoyed Fred. I really did. Because their defense fell apart every time I didn't play. But anyway. Right. 
Let's do the game rap from today's blowout. Blowout, 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 blowout rap. That's right, the game rap is a blowout again. 82, Miami, Boston, 102. Wasn't even that close. What a loose-ass game this was. The Buffalo. Derek White had the first seven points. Starting in place of Marcus. Derek White's like, hey, watch this. Drives, it's a three. And the Boston grab like, fuck yeah. Like Derek White had scored three points this entire series. He had seven in the first four minutes, and Miami had none. Seriously, Miami started off 0-14. They had one point, a single made free throw, until the last three minutes of this quarter. It was 18-1. to Miami couldn't hit a fucking shot. They go 0-14 from the floor to start this game. They didn't make a shot until 3 minutes 22 left. That's the longest drought without a single field goal to start any playoff game over the last 25 years. That is chaos. 100% one of those moments where you're watching the Heat and going, ah, oh, they've got those double rims. Fucking hate those double rims. Cling, cling, fuck. Why is this never going in? Oh, double rims, you bastards. Always hated them playing on those uh, double rims. But they got up 22 points in the first quarter to the Celtics. Hold the Heat eventually to 11 points. Jason Tatum outscored them by himself. He had 12 in the first quarter. More than his entire Game 3 output, you might remember. And uh, it continued. <laughs> it did not waver. There was a moment at the start of the second where the uh, Celtics, you know, didn't score for a little bit. And then they just did again and again and again. And that was with Tatum sitting. And you're like, oh, yeah, this game's basically Dunskies, huh? They were 52-26. They had them doubled up with three minutes to go in the second quarter. And then they get to 28 points. You look around going, wait. Victor Oladipo of the 28 points. Victor Oladipo had 18 of them. Victor, he's got one good leg. He can barely shoot. He was playing his ass off, shooting the shit out of it. No one else could do a goddamn thing. And the crazy part was, defensively, the Celtics were just at another level. They got kicked in the pants in game three, and they responded, right? Like, one of the things that stood out to me was that the Heat only had nine turnovers for this game, and it felt like 90. Like, it was weird just the sheer amount of times that they would sort of drive somewhere, and it would just sort of end up in a bit of a fumble, a rush shot. The crazy part was the amount of blocks for Boston was pretty crazy. They had 11 blocks. And four steals. But the block party going on with Al Horford was pretty nuts. And so when you've got all those blocks to go with those turnovers, you're like, oh, yep, that'll do. That'll do. And so I think the turnover battle where you're just like, oh, cool. We've only actually sort of given the ball away nine times. It's like, yeah, but every time you've taken a shot, it's either been blocked or you've missed it horribly. (laughs) So... And it, I feel like all those turnovers in the first half came when the Heat were just about to maybe eat into the lead a little bit. Boom. Turn it over. Celtics going back the other way. Packer up, boys, right? And like they limited Bam's touches, especially at the elbow. They were moving the ball out of his ham. Out of his hand. <laughs> out of his ham. How many hams have you got there, Bam? Uh, but Lowry couldn't find any space. Like, Lowry hit one shot today. And it was when he just went, fuck it, and launched a huge long three-bomb. That went in. That was the only shot he got to go all game. Butler was very clearly limited with his knee injury. Every time he was driving, everything was falling short. Uh, The jump shot of Butler was blocked, I think, twice. And he's just like, oof, this is uh, not great. And it was seriously, this was 57-33 at the half. They were down 24 at the half. And that was about all she wrote. The thing for Boston was 
their aggressiveness and their free throws. They got to the line 26 times in the first half. 26 and a half! That was insane. 14 times there for Tatum. He played his ass off. And, uh, yeah, once you've basically got that sort of advantage in the free throw stakes, you just, you're staring up at a 20, what was it, a 24 de- point deficit. And the other team are just completely controlling the game. I think Boston were like 4 of 17 from downtown in the first half as well, right? And they were shooting 16 of 43 from the floor. So 37% from the floor, 23% from three. And they're up 24. It's because they held <laughs> the 8 to 27% shooting and 5 of 12 from three and only nine free throws. So that was pretty much the story of the game because it then just went from there in the third quarter. Same vibe, right? Because... Like, every time the Heat threatened, the Celtics would just score or get to the line time and time again. And it makes such a difference. Even when you get up big, right, just to keep that score ticking over, you just kick the, like, absolute life and demoralize the opposition, right? Like, that's the demoralization. It's like, ah, wow, we were just, we got on a little run. It's like, yeah, you're still down 23 because we just got to the line again. And uh, the Celtics got up, what, 32 on the third. Al, Jalen, Jason, they're all involved. I think that's when Al hit his three. It was like 37-69. Nice. And uh, <clears throat> that was it. It was like Packer up boys territory. Um, I think the Heat went on an 8-0 run towards the end of the third quarter and then Tatum hit his only three of the game. <laughs> and it's like back up to 26. It was such a slap in the face too. And uh, look, in the fourth quarter... In the third and fourth, like the Heat just sort of rolled out like Duncan Robinson. He finally started hitting some shots. But they were down 24 going to the fourth. And then the starters all came out, what, well, nine minutes to go. Uh, Pritchard and Al were hitting threes uh, at the start of the fourth. Oh, that's when Al hit his three, yeah. It was at the start of the fourth. And it was very much like, grab your keys. This game's done. rest of the game was literally like Pritchard and Vincent and Oladipo and Robinson throwing in threes and not much else going on. Uh, but the big story was like the Heat just not being able to hit a shot. Seriously, 16 of 54 from two. They went 14 of 36 from downtown, but 16 of 54 inside the arc. That is absolutely crazy. Even that 14 of 36 from downtown feels like pretty misleading. Because, I mean, as I said, they were like, what, one of eight in the third quarter? (laughs) In the first half, five of 12. So it was a lot of garbage time, jack and threes, and they went in. They hit eight threes in the fourth quarter, which made no difference. So um, pretty crazy. Like Butler goes 3 of 14 for six points. Bam has nine points, three turnovers. Lowry, three points, one of six from the floor. Struess, 0 of seven. PJ Tucker, 0 of four. And this was the Waladipo show, 23 points. He goes 4 of seven from downtown. He has six assists. But watching Victor Oladipo, you're like, that's nice. He'll have these random games where actually he has his three-point shot again. But his very clearly impinged athleticism from his uh, burst hammy, his absolutely shredded hammy that he's coming back from, uh, really very clearly has him just still like that little bit limited. And so you have those moments where you're like, Oladipo's back, but it's not really Oladipo. Like the Oladipo of old was like athletic like an athletic specimen, and around the hoop uh, could just get there, get up. And at the moment, he's not quite there yet. 
But it's just nice though, isn't it? 23 and 6. Good job, Victor. Uh, I'd like to have a beer with Duncan because he finally hit a shot. Duncan Robinson finally found the bottom of the net. 4 of 8 from downtown for his 14. Vincent goes 2 of 10. Ugh, he was over 5. Um, just a tough one for the Mosquito Fleet. I'll talk about that in a second. But no hero very much hurt them. Like Even though Oladipo played out his ass, it felt like a bit of a wasted Oladipo game. And, like, you have that moment. It's like, is this Oladipo sort of hitting, you know, a nice little stretch of form? Or is this the big showing Oladipo game that just won't happen again? So, bit of a tough one. And, like, without Hero out there to change the pace that we've talked about plenty of times here on this show about how he comes in and just, it seems like the game gets faster. And you saw that work really well in game three for the Heat, right? Like, Lowry came in, started pushing the pace. And that happened at times today, but they just couldn't hit any of their shots. Like, defensively, the Celtics were on their rotations, and every time. So Time Lord played a game. He didn't play game three. And you have that moment going, ooh, even a sort of slowed-down version, a clearly kind of limping Robert Williams, can stymie, bam, at a buyer to this degree, and Boston are going to run away with it? Holy crap, he makes a big difference. So just around the rim. like It's cool having Al Horford. It's cool having Grant Williams, but having a legit... Big dude shot blocker in there against Bam. Even if he's like, you know, that half step slow on his rotations because of his bung knee. God damn, though. It just ruinated the heat. Uh, the Celtics, as mentioned, shot under 40%. Only went 8 of 34 from downtown. But Jimmy, how did they win? Well, <laughs> they won by 20 because they went to the line 38 times. 38! Jimmy, how many times did Miami go? 14. Yeesh! Not bad, bro. Not bad. Uh, I may have mentioned on yesterday's show, do you reckon Adam Silver's like desperately like cobbling together his ref crews to extend these series? Holy shit. Uh, Tatum ends up with 31, 8, and 5. He was amazing. Uh, shot 8 to 16. He went 1 of 7 from 3 and still ended up with 31. It was awesome because he went to the line 14 to 16. Uh, he goes there. Only three turnovers as well. His part, oh, we'll talk about him again in a second, whatever. Brown started off 0 of 6, 2 of 11, uh, ends up 5 of 20. <laughs> <laughs> not a great not a great game for Jalen Brown, the bloke who I've never seen anyone fall over so many times when they're dribbling. Apart from maybe me when I was shit-faced back in, uh, you know, Ballarat. You get a bit on the turps, got the dribbles on, falling over into hedges, you know, the classic. 12 points for him, 13, 8, and 6 for Derek White, 4 of 14 shooting, but his start just made such a difference. It just got them up and about. Average Al Horford only goes, he only took two shots. He was a plus 33. He had five points, 13 rebounds, three assists, and four blocks. He's older than time itself. Time Lord had 12 points, nine rebounds, and two blocks. Just the vertical threat of Time Lord as well. They actually mentioned that on the broadcast. It's like, yeah, Al Horford was throwing him, like, alley-oops. It was sick. Pritchard goes three or six from uh, from three for his 14. Grant Williams couldn't hit a shot. He went one of eight. Uh, Seven, five, and two for him. Got, you know, the timeout called to get yelled at by Ime Udoka at one point. Tice was still a man at minus 11, which is hilarious because it was a game they won by 20. Wow, he's a drag. But either way, Grant Williams, look, one of eight for him. You kind of have that moment where you're like, that's fine. Because if you're going to win by 20 anyway, you're just sort of hoping that there's a Grant Williams game in your back pocket where he goes five or seven from downtown in Miami or in game six here. So that's it. Series tied 2-2. Love it. My Celtics in six pick is still alive. And uh, I kind of... Still like it a lot because I think the Celtics can definitely win in Miami. So let's do an NBA Australia approved performance of the night. <laughs> That's not a nice. 
That's a knife. Jason Tatum, what did I tell you yesterday? Stars have bad games, superstars have bad games. It's just that Tatum's always come in losses and look way fucking worse <laughs> because of the turnovers and like his lack of ball handling now. But also, like the fact that he doubled up his entire game three uh, output in the first half alone, which was it was pretty cool. Like it was such a great set. So he had twenty four in the first half. I think it's the third time this series he's dropped twenty and a half. Uh, but the twenty points, seven rebounds, and three assists in. Just a half. You're like, holy shit. Jason Tatum is just like, I don't care, man. We're going to win this one. Fuck you. And that's exactly what happened. Like he's rolled in wearing Kobe's. He had the MJ t-shirt on. And he stepped up. Like, the cool thing was, though, just that aggression. I think he missed his first free throw, but it didn't matter because he just kept going. That aggression, is it makes a different Tatum. Like, getting to the line a shit ton, it just gives him confidence in, like, those other little shots inside the arc. Like, those little baseline fadeaways that he loves hitting. Um, and also, I think his passing was about 5 million times better in this game than in Game 3. And it's one of those things, he's such a weird confidence player where you wouldn't sort of pick that as a Tatum sort of aspect because he's sort of, I don't know, he's not he's expressive without being like OTT, but he thrives when things are going well and pushes probably a little bit too hard when they're going badly. And that's where you see the turnovers come from. And, like, they just sort of avalanche on him. But what a great game. Like, he came out, ends up with 31-8-5, and five, a couple of blocks, 8-16, of 16, as mentioned, 1-6 of six from downtown. But the 14-16 of 16 free throws is just crazy important. Only three turnovers, led from the front. I absolutely loved it. Great! Great response by Tatum. And this is the thing. It was always going to happen. He is that good now that he's going to turn around after a shit game. And you know he's not going to have like 14 points. He's going to have like 26, and they're probably going to win. And that's what happened. Spud of the night, however. Spud, 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 Tell you what, as they go, so do the Heat. But the Heat starters are going to get the collective spot of the night today. 0 of 7 for Gabe Vincent. 0 of 4 for BJ Tucker. They're just trying their hardest, their absolute hardest, to be Reggie Bullock and Max Schickleber. Uh 1 of 6 for Big Booty Carlari. Big Booty. Uh, 3 of 14 for Jimmy Butler. And 3 of 5 for Bam. Uh, they end up with 18 total points in this game. 18. Your entire starters manage 18 points. Six for Butler, nine for Bam, three for Lowry. Tucker and Strews, zeros. Oof, they shot a fucking total of five free throws between all of them, and they were all Bam. Jimmy Butler did not get to the line. That is absolute chaos. But the thing was, the 18 total points, I mean, I think in the first half they had 12 points. It was the fewest in the first half of a playoff game by a starting lineup since the Sixers back against the uh, Heat in 2011. They had nine points as a starting lineup. And the total of 18, that's the fewest by a starting five in a playoff game since starters were tracked in 1971. Oh, that's a collective spud, the likes of which literally haven't been seen since 1970-71. My God. Like, if it was a bit more egregious and they'd played a little bit more and PJ and Kyle Lowry weren't coming off injuries, like, this would probably go to the shitty Louvre as well. It's coming very close to have, like, no starter in double figures. 
to have a total of 18 between your five starters in a game four of a conference finals. Jesus. This is going straight to the pool room. Absolutely amazing. Like, even Butler, it feels like Jimmy Butler gets away with uh, bad games more than any other uh, sort of star, right? So six points on three of 14 shooting. If Luca had six points on three of 14 shooting tomorrow against the Warriors, the entire summer would be then spent going, what the fuck is up with Luca? He's not clutch. Why can't they win when he scores 40? Why do they have six on three or 14 shooting? It's like Jimmy Butler and Chris Paul. They're like the old heads that can kind of get away with murder in, well, maybe not so much Chris Paul because, I mean, when he ripped off, what, four straight horrible games against the uh, Mavs, he did get thrown under the bus and burnt. Uh, But Butler, three of 14, 0 of 2 from downtown, not a single free throw attempted, which is just absolutely mental because it's Jimmy Butler. That's what Jimmy Butler do. Jimmy Butler gets to the line. Jimmy Butler will get to the line and get you some free throws. That's all he's going to do. Like, I'd have to dig through some numbers to see the exact last time that he had a game where he had zero free throw attempts. And I can tell you, running through it right now, there was not a single game this season where he had zero free throw attempts. (laughs) That is incredible. What a world. So for even some of his like pretty incredibly crazy weird games, he uh, had no games la- oh, this season with zero free throw attempts. He did have one at the start of last year, but hot damn. Jimmy Butler, spud of the night. The rest of the heat, spuds of the night. Who was old mate no mates though? Old mate no mates. 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 Who's got no mates today? Uh, look, Jalen Brown. So he started off 0 of 5 in the first quarter. Like they're pouring it on. They're kicking the shit out of the heat. And poor Jalen Brown, like, <laughs> like every time, as I mentioned, every time he dribbles, he falls over. Um, my buddy uh, Boston Pat was just like, yo, it's like he's too athletic for his own good. And it's like, yeah. For me, it's like he's the squid who's three years old. Sometimes, you know, his feet get moving one way and his head goes the other one and it goes all akimbo. But the squid's three. (laughs) Jalen Brown's a grown-ass man. What are we doing? Oh, man. But either way, Jalen Brown felt like old mate Nomez today because I think every time he drove towards the basket, he was getting just fucking hacked, Um, getting hammered, pushed, uh, a lot of hands in there. And uh, then he would go up the other end and cop like a touch foul or a reaching foul on the other end. Like the literally as if the ref's like, hey, 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 Jalen, Jalen. And Jalen's like, what? And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> it was brutal. Go back and watch some of this. And Jalen Brown's like, what did I do to these guys? Jesus. And another old mate, no mates, Grant Williams. I mentioned the timeout that Emo Yudoka called like right at the end of the third quarter. That was the end of that uh, weird little eight zip run. Tatum then hit a three just after it, after the timeout. But Ime Udoka was just disgusted at Grant Williams and his defensive effort. He had a, like a three-on-one going against him, and he sort of got taken out by the first guy. And Ime Udoka's like, you got to fight past that. And Grant's like, what the fuck, man? Loved it. Panting of the night. Uh, Gabe Vincent getting blocked by Peyton Pritchard at the end of the first quarter was pretty panting because uh, that's going to lead to some... Pretty hefty shit-talking from Peyton Pritchard. But the best was uh, a couple of Al Horford ones, right? They're up 30. Al Horford blocks Bam at the rim. That is just such a... Oh, not in here, young blood kind of moment. And then Caleb Martin got sent by Al as well. 
an owl. He was sort of he did the sort of looking into the distance with his hands over his eyes. Looks like a salute. I don't know if he's saluting the crowd or looking into the distance for where that fucking ball went because he blocked the shit out of it. But either way, that's amazing. <laughs> and you better believe that's a pansin. Uh, that's your old ass uncle just fucking smoking you in the driveway and going, get the fuck out of here, kid. Ah, <laughs> oh, brutal. And finally, better than Lonzo Ball. Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you'll get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros. Now I can be average. He's coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. Uh, look, we've banned him from being on the better than Lonzo before, but I'm just saying, throwback. Jason Tatum was picked after Lonzo Ball. Uh, but Peyton Pritchard today easily gets this one. Five of eight from the floor, three of six from downtown, 14 points, two rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. All of which are better than Lonzo Ball's complete combined playoff totals in his entire career. Because he's never made it. So, good job, Peyton Pritchard. Right, let's do some Yanars right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey, guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And 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 you're listening to NBA Australia. you're listening to NBA Australia. All right. Yeah, now it's brought to you by the NBA Australia shop. That's right. Go get your merch. Get your merch. Get your merch. Wear it. Get your merch. Get your merch. Yeah, do it. Uh, we're going to do some work to the house. So, you know, if you could help out and buy a T-shirt, that'd be great. A, that way I can pay the builders. <laughs> B, I don't have to move so much shit around. So go check out mbaaustralia.com slash shop or just click on the links through the uh, socials. That's even easier. Go check it out. Buy a rose gold T-shirt. There's only a few of those left. A hoodie. Some of the logo tees. Get right around it. Help a brother out. Go do it right now. mbaaustralia.com slash shop. All right. Yeah, Nas. Let's do this one. I tweeted about this. They're playing these games literally every other day. So one day game, day off, next game. Should the NBA be giving these teams a bit more fucking rest, Jimmy? Yeah, nah, fuck yes. What are we doing? Five of the seven conference finals games so far have either been blowouts or close enough where one team's had a huge lead. Literally every game of the East Finals so far has had at least a 20-point lead. Two of them had 30-point leads. And, like, this is it, right? Like, it's so noticeable when you look at some of the home records for basically the teams that aren't Miami. Um, but also, the game-to-game defense, I think, is where you're seeing these teams just get absolutely fucking obliterated, right? Because, like, your offense can make adjustments to the last game. Your defense can only anticipate. And you get out there and you just... Like, holy shit, it's so draining to play at that level and play that level of basketball, conference finals, NBA basketball, day in, day out. And the weird part for me, it hasn't really seemed to matter if you're the road team or the home team, right? Like, you saw Miami's just defense fall off a cliff in game two. You saw Boston at home in game three just get smashed. And, like, that's what a draining schedule does. It means that game to game, the defenses are getting worn out and the offensive, like, defensive minds on the coaching staffs of each team are then trying to figure out what they can do to change it. And then one other team has to adjust to it. 
And that's it. Like, that'll lead to one team having a huge fucking lead. And guess what that means? All the drama is out of your conference final games. Like, are you fucking kidding me? You don't think that the Mavs would have benefited benefited from, like, one day of rest after being down two zip or even after three zip, right? Because, like, holy shit. Like, that, it felt like in game three for the Mavs, that's almost exactly what happened, right? They came home. The Warriors came out, punched them in the mouth. The Mavs fought back, got up. So they'd sort of come out like the clappers, and then they just ran out of gas as well. And the Warriors whether it be just because they've got uh, a weirder mix of dudes who are younger and older. Maybe they're just better conditioned. Maybe they could just smell the blood in the water. And off they went. And the Mavs just were fucking wrecked. And the same thing happened to the Heat the other day, but they held on to win because Boston were more out of gas on offense, right? And today the Heat were on fucking jelly legs. Like, the overarching point of this is... Why? Why are they playing every second day? Like, I get that we're trying to fly through to the finals, but at the same time, at what fucking cost? I get that the NBA wants to own the narrative, get all the eyeballs right now, but at the same time, if you've got four teams who are fucking gassed, some random fan checks in and goes, what the fuck is this? This is horrible. Why are these teams getting fucking killed every game? Like... So today, obviously, it's Tuesday in Australia. It's Monday night in America. Who needs a fucking Monday or Tuesday night game for? Because that's what we've got. Like, how is it not possible just to give each series a rest day now after game three? Go, all right, you're basically halfway through the series. Pick up on Wednesday. We'll have, like, I don't know, games four and five and six hanging around when, like, weekends. It's win-win. What are we doing? Like... The NBA is just selling itself short. And as your VP of common fucking sense for the NBA, with my very slow six-figure salary, I would say, hey, Adam, what the fuck are we doing? They're fucked, mate. What are we gaining? It's Monday. Who gives a shit? Seriously, it's fucking crazy. And uh, look, you know me. All I care about is really fun, good basketball. And here we go. Next year, nah. Jimmy, are you serious? Fuck. Yeah, nah. Yes. How's the margin of victory for the last 17 playoff games? 29, 6, 9. Nice. 25, 25, 11, 33, 28, 13, 14, 27, 9, 3, 39, 30, 35. The average margin of victory has been 19.8 points. There's been a total, a total of seven clutch time minutes. It's fucked. And it's because the teams are absolutely ruined and they're getting no fucking games off. The biggest lead each game in the East finals so far, the Heat got up by 20 in game one. The Celtics were up by 34 in game two. In game three, the Heat were up 26, and today, the Celtics got up 32. How are the lead changes? In the first 27 minutes of the game, there have been three. In the last 165 minutes of the games, there's been one. That's not good, dramatic basketball. Why is that, Jimmy? Because they're fucked. Give them a day off. Everybody's getting injured, like you saw it in game three. 
like half of the Boston team were fucking out. You had Jimmy Butler already back in the locker room. Big booty Kyle Lowry's dragging around a dead leg. PJ Tucker's got 87 injuries. Give him a day off. How hard is it to go right after two after the first two games of the series? Here's two days off. Uh, here and that's it, and just keep doing it after every two games. I don't care. Like my job is to talk about basketball all the fucking time. I can find things to talk about. I don't need the game on fucking Monday. What are we doing? What are we doing? Anyway, last one. Celtics still in six. Yeah, nah. Yeah, I really, really like the way that the Celtics just sort of bounce back. Uh, the same thing is, I guess I really liked how they played in game two and then they got fucking killed in game three. But I think this is the moment where they just go, right, they are really banged up. And if we can win in Miami, this will be over in game six. So there you go. Lock it in. Uh, Jazz Oz sent me through a good one. James Harden, I've been fatigued for years now. Took an offensive hiatus the past two years to rest. Y'all will see the real Harden next season. Yeah, nah, says Jez. This is a perfectly reasonable explanation. <laughs> Personally, I chose to not put myself through the struggle and didn't bother trying to get to the NBA. Yeah, nah, yeah, I love it. I think that was a Ballsack Sports one, though, so it was a bit of a piss take of a quote of James Harden. But it's kind of what it feels like, right? <laughs> Did you see the uh, receipt of Harden at the club, though? If you ever want to go just spend 167000 US dollars on a night out, go hang out with... Uh, your man, James Harden. My favorite thing is the uh, the service charge, the gratuity, is like built into your bill. And when it's at 143000 suddenly you're paying 24 fucking grand <laughs> as a tip. <laughs> My favorite of the, uh, the EDC Vegas one. So Dominique served them. It was uh, a couple of days ago in Vegas. Off they go. There's 20 guests. They're in Kinetic. And uh, 26 bottles of, uh, was it, Clase Uzul Reposado? There you go. Ace of Spades Rosé. A couple of glasses of that. The water buckets. 39 waters. 75 bucks a pop. Three grand on water. What are you doing? I love it. Some amazing stuff. Just a shit ton of booze. A couple of Ace of Spades Brut. 23 grand on that. But either way, got it to 120. I love that it was an unmet minimum as well of 30 bucks. It's like, I think you've got to spend 120 grand. So they round up. <laughs> Boom. $167,000 tab. Great job, James Harden. Anyway, that's one of those things. Like once we uh, get through this season, I cannot wait to see what the fuck happens with Philly. Unpopular opinion of the day. Now look at me, please. Look at me. Just to reiterate, I'm fine with some days of no basketball in the playoffs if it leads to better basketball. How is that unpopular in the NBA League of us? Oh, no, we need to get to the finals as quick as possible because that's when people care. People fucking care about the playoffs. If they're good, give them a rest, you fucking dicks. Like, I just don't understand why, you know? Outback Take Us, let's go. It's Tuesday at Outback, and after our COVID chaos, we're back, and Cassowary Casserole's back on the menu. That's right, COVID took down a bunch of our folks. The bloody Cassowary got loose out the back and took down the rest, so I'm back on seek.com.au finding some new kitchen staff. But I'll tell you what, the world's most deadly bird is bloody delicious. So Cassowary Casserole only 
at Outback. And today's Flame Grill take is... Not only would I start giving teams more time off in the conference finals, once they got there, I'd go to a strict fucking schedule. We're only playing games on Wednesday and Thursday, and then Saturday and Sunday. NFL slash NCAA tournament style. Because if you want to rest up your players, great. Also, importantly, just let people know when the big games are fucking on. Give the teams a little time to rest up. And I'll tell you what, you'll then watch good basketball ensue. Only. That's not even a flame grill take. That's just what they should do. Wednesday, Thursday, you got your midweek games, and then boom, Saturday, Sunday. Off you go. It's one of the big things that NCAA does really well. As soon as they get to the tournament, it's like, yeah, these are the days the games are on. Set your calendars <laughs> in conjunction. NFL, same thing. We've got... Thursday night football, Sunday, Monday night. Boom, done, out of there. Who gives a fuck about Monday and Tuesday and let everybody go get fuck out on Friday? Seriously, it's not so hard. This is why my campaign for VP of Common Fucking Sense starts right now. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. Be back with the Shane Hill Shooter Shoot. Shoot your shot, light him up award. Right after this. This is Shane Hill, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Praise the Lord for I'm healed. It is the Shane Heal. Shoot a shoot. Shoot your shot. Light him up award. All right. Pretty quick one, an easy one today, because uh, it's Steph Curry. Oh, geez, Jimmy, is he a good shooter, bro? Oh, there. Yeah, he is. But at the same time, so the other day, yesterday, he uh, hit 5 of 10 from downtown. That was his 53rd career playoff game with over with over five threes. Five or over threes. No other player has 30. Like, <laughs> it's fucking incredible. Uh, and how about, like, I mean, the end of his half was pretty incredible. So I talked about Dallas before and how they sort of just ran out of gas. It's because Curry took their heart. Like, to close out that half, Steph had a layup, an assist, a three, an assist, a three, an assist. And there was a Wiggins dunk in there as well. It's like, holy shit. They were down eight, and then they led by one going to the next half. So not bloody bad. But at the same time, just in terms of shooters shooting, the bloke's shooting 47.8% from three in the Western Conference Finals, 48% from the floor, averaging 28. He's gone 21, 12, and four, 32, eight, and five, 31, five, and 11. He's hit three threes, three, nine, six, of 10, five, of 10. Yeah, shooters better shoot. Right, Patty Mills game day, baller game day, Twitter check-in. All right, this is a quick one. Just Jock on his IG story. Jock him, rock him, sock him, block him, jock him, land out. He's back. And literally just did that one of uh, Texas. Just him driving in Texas. <laughs> so, yeah. He's back early, working hard, end of May. Had a couple of weeks off, came home. Off he goes. Great job, Jock. Oh, big cock Jock in Texas. That's what he does. Uh, everything's bigger in Texas. Uh, right, let's do the game preview for tomorrow. Game preview. Game preview. Elimination alert. Elimination alert. Elimination alert. Uh, thanks, inadvertent vein. Not a problem, Jimmy. What was that? It was an elimination alert. Elimination alert. That's right. We've got an elimination alert. Um, but yeah, because we've got Mavs hosting the Warriors. They're down three zip. 
Now, I said yesterday, gentlemen's sweep is on the cards. The Mavs will get one at home. I have not changed. The Mavs are one and a half point favorites here. I'm taking that. However, <laughs> if there was any team that could get big, like get up big at home and then run out of gas again and the Warriors stomp them and end up sweeping, it'd be this Mavs team. The thing is, the range of outcomes for this Mavs team is so wide, the Mavs could absolutely fucking demolish the Warriors tomorrow, get it back to 3-1, go back to Golden State, get hot, bring it back to 3-2, get a bit of a We Believe run going in, a reverse We Believe, and away we go. But the most possible outcome is probably a gentleman's sweep, right? The Mavs get one. Uh, I think... It's all just going to depend on the shooting. I mean, that's exactly what happened in Game 3. The shooting completely fucking fell off a cliff again, and when that does for the Mavs, guess what? They lose. There's zero plan B behind, ah, let's hope this three goes in. Whereas the Warriors, you've seen time and time again, they've got plan A, B, C, D all the way down. They're light years ahead, don't forget. But either way, the Mavs, look, I think, I think this one's just for a bit of pride, and the Warriors... We'll probably keep it close because they're good. <laughs> but at the same time, they might also have that moment where it's like, ah, fuck it, we'll win game five at home and get our fans all psyched and pumped. And then we'll get a week off So before the finals. But either way, I think the Mavs can win this one. I think the key is going to be like just Luca really making sure that everybody's going, but gets them off to a good start as well. Like, you saw the Warriors in Game 3 just come out just, like, with more sense of purpose. Then the Mavs finally clawed it back, but they never looked comfortable at all. Their defense was just scramble town. Like, all game. So, that defense just has to step up one more time, get this win, go back to Golden State, see if you can't pull off an upset, away you go. Uh, We also went 1-1 of on the picks today because I nailed the Boston pick, obviously. So, that leaves us at 38 of 78 for the playoffs. Oof. <laughs> it's a bit of a rough one, I'll tell you. Uh, it'd be good to get it to 40 and 80 in the next couple of days. But either way, Mavs tomorrow, minus one and a half. And uh, in terms of like the totals, it's a tricky one as well because you're like, if you like uh, the Mavs and you think that the Warriors can keep it close, then the over is 215, which still feels a bit too much for me. So it feels like 103 to 100 sort of game. So give me the Mavs. All right, there you go. Sweet as. That's it. Done. Nice one. Well, we'll wrap up that game tomorrow because that's what we do every day. We might have a late one tomorrow because I've got the squid. Uh, we'll see how we go. Either way, make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, Face IG. We're all over the socials. Get around NFL Australia. Go subscribe to that. And World Wrestling Australia over on YouTube with Adam. Uh, follow FWCIE on Twitter for him as well. Get around NBAstray.com slash shop. Get your merch. Get your merch. Chuck us a rating review on your podcast app and smash the Knowable app. Download that. Get 20% off with the code Straya. Big thanks go to from Oslo for the intro and outro song. Check out the new band House Hats. They're awesome. And also, Joshua Delorentis. Fascinated. Goldmines. Ramshackle Army. Iowa. Sex Jedi. Green, green, green. And dozers for the tunes you hear throughout the show. Smash them all on Bandcamp. Triple J and Earth. Face the Apple Music. Spotify. Whatever. Remember, NBA Australia supports Australian bands. So should you. I tell you what, can't wait to go support some bands on the weekend. Hold steady, let's fucking go. Anyway, and we'll close out today's show with a brand new Jingles HR. And we. Elimination alert, elimination alert. We'll catch you tomorrow, you dickheads. Hopefully, hopefully. 
We have a uh, extended Western Conference Finals. See how we go. All right. This is NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, will you? And later, now. G'day, Joe Ingalls here, head of Jingles HR, the world's leading HR solutions firm. Because, yep, when I'm not sinking threes, rehabbing my knee, drinking Portland's delicious coffee, bouncing my kids on my knee, or enjoying my real estate in Paul George's head, I'm the world's leading HR expert and ping pong player, helping you with all your HR questions and problems. So, let's get to this week's question, shall we? It comes from a Juwan in Michigan, and it's a uh, hard copy letter. And it's all in caps. And it's from a typewriter. Hey, Joe. I just passed up a high-profile job because I want to help out where I grew up and work with my family. Is that something more people should consider when it comes to jobs? Thanks, Juwan, Michigan. Jeez, and it looks like the paper that's come on has been punched. Yeah, uh, look, anyway, no, seriously, that's great. Uh, Juwan, mate, thanks for writing in. I love this. I really do, because we all see it. We all see it in HR. You see it, folks who are just focused solely on getting to the next level of their employment rather than actually just thinking about what might be best for them and their happiness in their job, you know? Because as we say here at Jingles HR, your happiness isn't dependent on your job, but the job you do is dependent on your happiness. So if you want to hang out with your family a bit more, work with your family and just eschew higher profile, higher paying gigs, then that's fine because we want every employee happy in their jobs as a HR manager because they do a better job. Sometimes taking a more high profile job or even a better paying gig won't help with that. So, you know, it's just worth knowing that. So, well done, Juwan. You do you, mate, and best of luck. And uh, that's all we've got time for this week. I better get back to rehab. I've been Joe Ingalls. Go get a job up, yeah.